electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. It is election night in America, and what could the moment of truth for the Trump rally be? Well, the market is up a whopping 30% since the president was elected two years ago, adding $5 trillion in market cap. Americans across the country are heading to the polls to determine the balance of power in Congress, and we are less than an hour away from the first results. Eamon Javers is back in the newsroom at election headquarters. Hi, Eamon. Yeah, hi, Melissa. Let's review the stakes for tonight ahead of the polls closing here in just a couple of hours, starting with the House of Representatives. This is where the pundits and a lot of the experts think that the Democrats have an opportunity for some pickups. Democrats would need 23 seats here net to take control of the House of Representatives from the Republicans. Uh, we'll see whether they can do that or not. In the Senate, they only need two seats in the Senate net to take control of that chamber. But because of all the red states uh, that Democrats are running in this year, the expectation is for the Senate Senate, ultimately, that's going to be a heavier lift for Democrats, not expected to necessarily take control. But what we learned in 2016 is all the expectations go out the window uh, when you get down to the actual voting, election day itself. So I think we have to be very cautious in projecting anything here other than that a lot of people are out there voting a huge amount of interest in this election. Take a look at some of these early voting uh, tallies that we've got from states across the country. These are people who voted before election day. This is already in in the bag in terms of votes. Uh, and take a look at this. Texas, 5.9 million early voters there before Election Day. Arizona, 1.5 million. Tennessee, 1.4. Georgia, 2.1. That's a big number in Georgia. Florida, 5 million as well. In Texas there, that Beto O'Rourke campaign uh, in Texas, uh, that's fascinating to watch against Ted Cruz because ultimately this kind of enthusiasm, early voting, that could be what a Democrat needs to take uh, control of that race. A lot of voters turning out, making it a very different election than what we expect. Otherwise, Texas is a red state. You expect Ted Cruz to cruise to victory there, no pun intended. Uh, we'll see what all this early voting does in terms of the enthusiasm and the number of voters who show up today. Uh, we're going to be watching that one late into the night, is my guess. Melissa. All right, Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers at election headquarters. So with an hour until the polls close, no one knows it's going to happen. So let's lay out the different scenarios and what each could mean for the markets going forward. And of course, we are not a political show. Let's be clear about that. But politics, as we, as we have learned since 2016, have really influenced your money and the markets. And so it is through that prism with which we look at politics tonight. What are you watching? Yeah, a couple things. So quickly on the broader market, you know, I've thought lower for quite some time. Obviously, the last week, the market's done very well. It's at 2710, a few days above that. You have to reevaluate. So here we are, number one. Number two, if we were to get uh, a hold serve of the Republicans, you know, Karen growing up was an excellent tennis player. Yes. And that's a tennis term. Not a surprise. Holding serve. No, Not a surprise. surprise me at all. Doesn't Not surprise a surprise. Me all, by the way. Shouldn't yeah. surprise any of our... However, if the Republicans were to hold serve, 
I think it's extraordinarily positive for the banks. Where would I go in the banks? Well, Citibank just reported tangible book for Citibank is about $62. So if you just look at that valuation, make Citibank about the cheapest in that metric out of all of them at 1.08 times tangible book. So I think if you did see the Republicans hold the House, hold the Senate, banks, specific bank, city. What else does that make possible? I mean, if you have GOP maintaining power, right, right in the legislative branch, what happens? Could be tax uh, 2.0. Uh -huh. It could be uh, easier trade deals because you don't have the hurdles of dealing with an opposition. So I would think that it's lower taxes, lower regulation, stronger stock market. It, well, first of all, I would assume that if we get a, if we hold serve, um, like Guy talks about, that actually that's a short-term gain, but that's a that's a medium to long-term negative because I think that means more fiscal. Uh, aggressiveness means actually more Fed. It actually means also the higher rates, which are hurting the markets more than anything. I, I would posit to say that actually, unlike Karen, who probably held serve often, um, and I, I would say maybe it's Guy who got broken serve. Uh, people say that if, if the Democrats take the House, uh, whatever that means, doesn't, is that a blue wave? I don't know. But they say that that's priced into the market. And I have to tell you, I don't think that that's priced into the market at all. To some uh, extent. Really? Well, well, think about why did we sell off over the last month? Were people really you talking about elections? You think that had to election? do with the election? That was not about the Fed and about the trade and earnings. About higher and I think it was about earnings. I think it was about people talking about the outlook for 2019 with the wage pressures, higher wages, uh, tighter labor markets, unable to fill jobs, uh, tariff overhang, Fed that's getting more aggressive rather than less aggressive. Isn't that why we sold off? Were we really selling off because we thought that the Democrats were actually going to begin to well, why push you, back then on Then why do we come so, back? I don't, I'm not understanding if, if we, we sold off and we've come back, what was the comeback about? It was about comeback Democrats was oversold. I, look, I, I, well, the comeback actually, I don't think we've really come back. was I mean, probably we, we, softer headlines on trade. So when Trump got softer on trade, that was probably the comeback. But I would think that it has to be priced in to some extent. So you could say it's priced in 60%, 70%. Nothing is priced in until it actually it, happens, though. So is, I agree with is that. Is the theory here, I'm sorry to, to, to grind this to a screeching halt, but is the theory here that pricing in a Democratic win of the House and Republican Senate means negative for the stock market? Is that... Is that what the conventional wisdom is? I think it's gridlock, right? And usually it's gridlock, gridlock is, is supposedly usually good. Well, at positive. the very least, it preserves the status quo, no? And well, because you do have gridlock. Well, we, we don't have gridlock right now. We actually have a situation where Republicans can do anything they want, and sure, they have. Sure. So to say that right, actually but, we but lock things, in for two years Things that have gridlock, gotten done won't get rolled back, is what I'm saying. We're not going to lose taxes. The tax yeah, cuts we're not going to lose place. all these things and, that and we I put think Steve, place. I agree with Steve. I mean, you know, if we get a situation here where I don't think you can get another middle-class tax cut of 10% with a Republican House, um, I think you might be able to get infrastructure, although I doubt that, too. I think we push back and forth. But, but again, if you're telling me that you take away the clean sweep, that the markets are neutral on that, I say no. I think that if I the Democrats... No take the House, you might not, it might be gridlock, but there's not going to be gridlock when it comes to headlines. So you won't see reality uh, really take place, but you will see headline uh, uh, takes place where there's more regulation. There could be energy rollbacks on EPA. Uh-huh. They could introduce, they, yes, could they, exactly, could introduce sure. they could introduce legislation, exactly. not to say that it would pass, but they could certainly introduce it, and I think they would. So headline risk meaning there's no and there's nothing legislatively that passes that endangers, let's say, let's say for banks. I think that this is really a situation where the banks might have headline risk, but there may not be legislative risk to what the banks have already gotten in terms of deregulation. But having Maxine Waters head the House Financial Services Committee could be headline yes, risk for of some of the financials. Yes. Uh, I mean, to me, that, that's sort of the biggest risk out there 
for the market is, I mean, the banks have been a very important part of the market, maybe leading, maybe following. But to me, if we get that, if we get that blue wave, right? If we, uh -huh. To me, that's the biggest risk of the bank. The exact opposite of what Guy is saying, right? Also, though, sorry, if we I'm get sorry. a giant blue wave, blue wave equals negative. For banks. Blue wave equals sweet. for banks, for but banks. not for the rest sweet. of the market. I think the rest of the market Forever also, the but specifically. For banks. Right. And that means a sweep of both the House and the yes. Senate. I'm not saying okay. I don't think that's likely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. that's the but, blue wave. But what, so, what if what if the what if the blue only hits half the house? Like a waiting pool. It, like right. a little bit of like a, a <laughs> like a you know, like, like a, a small ripple, ripple, you know, a ripple. Yeah, ripple. That laps the one thing up about against, that, that uh -huh. I think tomorrow we will have certainty on something, right? And the market hates uncertainty. Right. So the extent, extent we have some positive. certainty on anything, that's a positive. But let's say we get somebody like a Maxine Waters who heads the House Financial Services Committee because a blue wave is a half a wave and only sweeps the House. <laughs> How negative is that for the banks? It's interesting. If it so is. the night of the going into the presidential election two years ago now, I thought that if then candidate Trump would be elected president, the stock market would sell off anywhere from 12 to 15 percent. For about six hours that night, I was looking like a genius. And at three o'clock <laughs> in the morning, when I went on one of the shows with the S&P down 105 handles, comment I made was, yeah, we might see a bounce tomorrow morning. This thing is going low. I lower. thought you just so, sounded tired, by the way. I was tired <laughs> as well. Yeah. But the point is, like, so I didn't, what was priced in? And, you know, if you give me the outcome, I still don't know what's going to happen. Uh -huh. So to answer your question, if there is a blue wave, you know, I would think that is extraordinarily negative for the market. But I've been proven wrong so many times now. If there's a blue wave or a red wall to keep these things, you know, accurate, I think okay. that both are overdone. So I think that the market will rally aggressively. The if there's wall. a red wall, if, if there's a red if, wall, if the Republicans hold the House and, and the, Senate, the Senate, right? Aggressively, that should aggressively be sold. Aggressively sold. That should be sold on the pop. Oh, it if is. it's a blue it's wave, I think you buy that dip. But let me just one other thing though about a blue a blue wave. Aside from the, I think the market go down. I think you know banks in particular will be in the crosshairs. But if it's really a huge blue wave, I think that's a pretty big indictment of Trump's presidency that the economy is this good, and yet still. A blue I think wave. People just get tired. People get just get tired of the parties. Look, I hear you with the wave versus a yes. the house flipping. Right. It would be something right. much stronger than that. The idea that the Senate would go would be a pretty big. Let's be clear. We had a blue wave for many years going into the last election, arguably. Um, we had a case where at least the regulatory framework and even the legislative one had switched back towards the pendulum towards the blue. And that's why we had the response we did in 2016, as far as I'm concerned. And in fact, that's been very good for markets. Although, if you remember that going up until really probably a two-year period before we started to stagnate going into elections, markets did extremely well in the blue environment, too. Maybe that was off of an oversold base. Bottom but line, they also they flipped it in 2010. So that aggressive nature of President Obama was brought to a halt, and that was that was where you had that gridlock where the market was good for like markets. I, and I, I I agree with all that. In fact, I, I would go as far as saying if we got a blue wave, not a blue ripple, and not a red wall, mm -hmm. um, I actually <laughs> think that the markets would sell off and they should sell off. So Let's really, be clear. The, that, I mean, according to what you guys are saying, if I could just distill this, if I may, please. We're creating terms. Right. We're creating terms right. by the right. second. I know because yeah. it's getting it's confusing with the wall and the wave and the whole serve and all. That. Exciting, but basically, really. you guys are saying it is neutral to positive if the Democrats get the House and the Republicans hold the Senate or if the Republicans hold both. And it is a negative across the board if the Democrats take both. Yes. Now, now for the market, for the markets, this for the markets, all, yeah, this is all way, markets, all, all market. for the markets. We add one more ingredient to this. Oh, throw it in. Because, you know, when you're in the South, sometimes you put a little whiskey and you make moonshine. You got to put a lot of different things. Why do they things. only do that in the I South? Don't make the, I don't know. <laughs> they do it in the South is <laughs> what they make the moonshine. What? My anyway. point is this. 
the market, the, the election to, is to lot. I think it's noise. I think the reasons why the market has sold off until the last week or so are much bigger than that. Those reasons have not gone away. Sure. Now, we have seen softening in terms of China, yes, but does that mean is anything's getting done or is the rhetoric just softening? I think it gets up? harder coming out of the election. So he did, he did if, the softer tap. If there's a red he wave, gets he gets harder. I think he gets but harder either loses, way. What if he loses the House? Think, Does he get harder? I think he gets harder. Because the, because no matter the what. Democrats, harder. The Democrats, Democrats want him. He gets yeah. harder. A tougher the line on China. Harder, a tougher line on China. The Democrats actually want him to be a tougher on China. All right. For more on what the midterms could mean for the markets and D.C., let's go to Axios co-founder and executive editor Mike Allen. He joins us from Washington, D.C. Mike, great to have you with us. We've been talking about all the various uh, scenarios you. and how they could impact the markets in various sectors. In your view, what is the most likely scenario as we stand here on the eve or not the eve, but the evening of Election Day? Yeah, well, we're headed toward that split decision that people think I've been talking to people in both parties around the country all day. Neither Democrats nor Republicans see anything in the tea leaves that they're reading and the data that they're getting that would suggest we're headed anywhere away from probably a pickup or two for Republicans in the Senate, uh, as amazingly enough as it is in this environment, and a really bluish wave uh, hitting Democrats, uh, lifting Democrats in the House. The only question is, is the blue wave a Category 4 or a Category 5? To give you a little smart brevity from Axios and what these different uh, waves and walls and what all those terms mean, what we will know later tonight, and I think we'll know sooner rather than later, is President Trump triumphant or cornered? Does he start his reelection race on the defensive? And are Democrats empowered or humiliated? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the way that the trends are looking, Democrats are going to have a heavy hand in Washington. If somehow this doesn't happen, uh, I can tell you the Democrats who were sad uh, the night of the Hillary Clinton, they are going to be, boy, what, what are we going to do now uh, tonight? You got a lot of great reporters on your staff, Mike. So, so what are they saying in terms of how President Trump views this election? Is there a magic number in his head when it comes to pickups in the Senate uh, and maybe pickups by Democrats in the House? Uh, as you know, uh, President Trump is not a precision uh, guy, so no, it's not, <laughs> it's not a number in his head. He's going to want uh, to see, can he plausibly go out there and say uh, that this is a vindication both of my own election, which was, we know remains in his head, and uh, does it show strength through the country? Because if you find Republicans losing in Florida, Georgia, places like that, the Trump map for 2020 like suddenly becomes a real problem. The president uh, famously narrowly won uh, the electoral college. If he loses a big state or two, if a big state or two is not looking as Trumpy as it did before, like his math suddenly gets tough for 2020, and he has to really scramble, rethink, and Democrats see huge opportunity. In, in addition to the fact that a lot of Democrats want mm -hmm. to fill that vacuum, right. they suddenly are going to say, wow, this nomination is worth having. Just quickly, Mike, we're out of time, but uh, what do you think the biggest surprise could be out of Election Day? So in addition to the size of the wave, uh, I'm going to look at the Beto. Is it Beto weather in Texas? There's, there's no sign that Democrats are going to take the Senate, but could there be a presidential-level turnout in Texas uh, that would propel uh, Representative Beto O'Rourke who has these astonishing presidential-sized crowds 
ahead of Ted Cruz. Republicans in Texas don't expect it. I've talked to them today. They're mm -hmm. not worried. But that would be the sign of that Cat 5 we were talking about. All right, Mike, thanks so much. Thanks for making the time for us on thanks this busy night. Coverage. Mike Allen, the co-founder of Axios. So let's, let's trade some of this here in terms of whether Trump's states that he won in 2016 look less Trumpy. Will the markets look ahead to 2020? I think the markets are a forward pricing mechanism, but I think 2020 is a bit far, far out. You could say six to eight months. But my thing is, if 20 of these races in the House are within the margin of error, how are any of these forecasts even reliable until we wake up tomorrow morning? I don't, I don't get how these projections can even be made. One of the things about 2020 that's also just interesting is, is really demographic trends in terms of changing demographics in our country, which means states like Florida and states like Texas are, are no longer straight up red states anymore. In fact, I'm talking about actually people that are leaving the Northeast and leaving California, but that's for another show. I think the bottom line is that the markets actually have oversold based upon conditions related to the Fed. We've got a Fed meeting tomorrow. That's the most important thing that happens tonight or tomorrow is the Fed. All right, coming up, is the fate of the markets hang in the balance? The top strategist says he is not worried about the midterm election. But there's something else keeping up at night. He'll tell us what that is. Plus, Facebook faces the midterms. It is Mark Zuckerberg's chance to prove his platform is up to the challenge. The traders tell you what it could mean for the stock. And later, a number of the Web 2.0 stocks reporting earnings moments ago. They are making huge moves after hours. We'll bring you all the latest details. We're live in Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. Facebook blocking a number of fake accounts overnight in an ongoing effort to crack down on election manipulation ahead of the midterms. Let's get to Julia Borson in L.A. to break it down for us. Hey, Julia. Melissa, though Facebook tells us that today it hasn't identified anything unexpected, last night it announced that it had found another effort at voter manipulation on its platform. The company blocking 30 Facebook accounts and 85 Instagram accounts engaged in what it calls coordinated inauthentic behavior. Facebook's investigating if they're linked to the Russian Internet Research Agency, saying last night, quote, given that we are only one day away from important elections in the U.S., we wanted to let people know about the action we've taken. This comes less than two weeks after Facebook found and shut down 82 pages, groups and accounts linked to Iran. And in August, it shut down over 650 pages running disinformation campaigns tied to Iran and Russia. Now, Facebook has been ramping up its defenses with this war room, and it's doubling its security team this year to 20,000 people. Facebook saying it's in close contact with state elections officials, giving them a dedicated channel to report into the war room about voter suppression content and ads that violate state election laws. And it's not just Facebook. Twitter, after Friday, reportedly deleting over 10,000 accounts that aim to discourage people from voting in today's election, the company telling us that it's on the lookout for malicious accounts and is working closely with government, peer companies, and law enforcement to counter any shared threats. Nothing new from Google, though it has been pushing to get out the vote, offering information about how to register and also find your voting location. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson. It has been a rough ride for the stock. Will it get through the election unscathed? And will that finally get the stock, meaning Facebook, rallying once again? And here's the, here's the question. We're hearing drips and drabs about the fake accounts being shut down. 
Are you worried, Karen, as a Facebook shareholder, that there will be a shoe to drop after election, after the midterms, and everybody goes through all these tweets and everything like that, and and ads and news stories and news feeds, et cetera, that related things related to found. the election? Exactly. I'm worried about it less than I'm worried about some of the other things that are more obvious and higher up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for example, if there's an antitrust case. For that, I mean uh, GDPR, and then also the margins of their business. The last quarter was that was good. That was some comfort. And they need to continue monetizing Instagram and continue to um, put up good numbers. And I think that those things are going to be far more important than elections. Sounds like all you heard was dollar signs. Every expense that they had, 20,000 employees looking at this or whatever the number is going to be ultimately. Sounds like a headwind to yeah. profitability going down but the they've road. Had, they put that headwind out. That's why the stock got crushed. Yeah, this is get increasing. This is getting worse. It's not, get, it's not going away. And if there's another headline to Melissa's point, there'll be another thousand people that are hired to do the same thing. I, I think that margins are going to ultimately be squeezed. See, I think they got in front of any potential headline. Not that it won't be you know, negative for the stock if there I is. But I think they in front of it the night before an election 40, went. In fact, percent, they could have told us this two months before the election. The amount of people they've hired, the amount of money they're throwing at it. Margins were improved. 750 basis points year over year improvement in margins. That's significant. Listen, EPS, okay, big beat. Revenues, not so much. Maybe that move down to 138.5 when it flushed the night of earnings was enough. Now, it hasn't traded particularly great since that bounce above 150, but I actually think it's okay here. Uh, yeah, what's that bad Billy Joel song called? It's a matter yeah, of time. There are a number of them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we didn't start the fire. We didn't start the fire and Uptown there, Girls, certainly yeah. one and two. There but it's many. a matter of trust. I think there's, there's a major lack of trust at Facebook, and I think that's displayed in the multiple. Um, what's been talked about in this segment is that margins are going down because security costs are going significantly higher. These guys really can't even tell you what those costs are going to look like. And, and it comes down to the multiple you want to pay for a stock. 2.6 billion users, folks. A lot, a lot of, you know, that, this company's not going out of business. Well, Instagram to seems to be going going. You've further. been saying this for the longest time. I've been saying this. Nice, I've been Karen. saying this. Nice. Thank you. Oh, she yeah. Did so I got sucked <laughs> into the ego, and I really only heard that she was complimenting. You wrote an op-ed on CBC.com, apparently. Good job. Tim, yeah. Tim Seymour? Uh, yeah, you wrote an op-ed on CBC.com. I've, I've actually written a couple. Of Dave Nathan was here. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you kept up with his op-ed on CBC.com. You know who's got a pass on us? Twitter, up 43% year-to-date. But they don't get a pass. They also have this problem. Why do they get a pass? They have it, but whenever we talk about it, it's a footnote. When we talk about Twitter, when we talk about Facebook, doesn't that it's the make major you think story. that that's the next thing to drop? No, then? I think that they were so note? discounted. They were the child in the room, and now they're being, being treated like the adult All at right. the table. For more on Facebook's big night, you can head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Well, the news might not be so good for the healthcare sector after the midterms. We'll tell you why it might be a lose-lose situation for some of the biggest stocks. Plus... Get in, loser. We're going shopping. And that's what investors are doing as retail stocks are ripping higher. But should you trust the bounce? There's much more Fast Money right after this. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. 
Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks are rallying today as the midterm elections are in full swing, and history suggests there are big gains ahead. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. Lots of happy talk down here. There's all sorts of talk on Wall Street. The markets will rally after the election. There is a good reason for all this happy talk, actually. The markets do tend to rally after midterm elections, regardless of who wins. The numbers are amazing, short-term and long-term. Since 1980, for example, the S&P has traded up an average 8.5% in the fourth quarter. Since World War II, this is even better, the S&P has been up an average 14.5%. That's one year later. But more importantly, it's been up a year later every single time. 18 out of 18 times. That's a pretty good record. But this is a very unusual election, and not everybody thinks that gridlock in Washington, which is the consensus on the election, will be good for stocks. So remember, much of the benefit to stocks in the last two years has come because we were not in a gridlock environment. That's how the tax cuts got through. Now, looking forward, there's very little chance that the Trump tax cuts will be rolled back with the Republican Senate, assuming that. But there's also very little chance the tax cuts will be made permanent with the Democratic House. More stimulus may be a lot tougher to come by. A lot of Republicans believe they may become much more concerned with rising deficits, the traditional Republican concern, and that would leave very little room for stimulus spending, particularly in all these infrastructure projects everybody wants and nobody can agree on how to pay for. And if there's even a hint of slowing in the economy, the president will likely try to blame the Federal Reserve for raising rates, which will put them in a box that will make it difficult for them to back down. The Democrats will certainly launch a long investigation into the president's finances if they win the House. Trade tensions will continue, and rates will likely keep rising. My bottom line here, Melissa, this is a very different environment from November 2017 when tax cuts were imminent. I guess the biggest problem I have is that in the last two years, the market was going up. The strategist saved because we didn't have gridlock. Now the market's <clears throat> supposed to go up because we do have gridlock. I guess I have... Only Wall Street strategists could get away with that kind of logic, I guess. <laughs> All right, Bob, thanks. Bob Bassani at the okay. NYSE. Of course, at the Fed meeting tomorrow, the trade war still ongoing. Our next guest says this midterm will be different. Let's bring in Jeffrey Mills, the co-chief investment strategist at PNC Financial Services. Jeff, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, your baseline scenario, though, is that the markets are priced for gridlock. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's generally the case. I mean, where it could be different potentially is that in 2016, there was this massive policy pendulum shift. And clearly that's driven the market to a large degree over the past two years. So in the sense that the result of this midterm is a referendum on those policies on Trump, and not that they're going to change immediately, even next quarter, next year, but investors may say this is foreshadowing 2020. The policy pendulum could swing back in the other direction. I think that's where 
this may be different. Bob quoted the statistics, 18 of 18. We all, we all know the track record, and I think it's probably going to still be intact. But I do think that's the risk because we've had such big changes in policy that maybe aren't typical. Right. But at the same time, even though the pendulum, the pendulum has swung, and even if there is gridlock, that pendulum, in theory, will remain suspended to where it is, if not even if it doesn't go further with what we're calling a red wall. Right. I think it's a term that we're coining on the show. Um, so you're saying, though, that it's really the things that are decided outside the midterms that will ultimately determine the direction of the markets and how fast they rise or fall. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, a, a big part of it's going to be CapEx, and that is decided outside of the midterms to a degree. You know, you think about trade policy um, and really that effect on CEO confidence, because th that's going to be the key. You see how CEO confidence is levered to CapEx. So if trade drags on too long, CEOs start to pull back on that CapEx, you're not going to get a boost to productivity and economic growth potential is basically going to be what it's been for a very long time. But I do think when thinking about moving past the midterm elections, and this relates to trade, yes, it's important to just put that uncertainty aside. But I, what I think is maybe a little bit underappreciated is the fact, and you used this during Power Lunch today, that basically uh, it's the economy Gold stupid. Gold star. <laughs> so, and it is the economy stupid. And I think that presidents realize that. So if you go back after the midterm elections pass, this self-preservation mechanism starts to kick in and presidents start to think about their own re-election. And they, they institute policies that might be a surprise. Obama did it in 2010. So there's a Trump put in the market. Potentially. So o Obama did it in 2010 with extending the Bush tax cuts, probably a surprise to a lot of people. And then now you think about the biggest lever that Trump has to pull. It's probably on trade. So nobody expects to deal with China. But is he an ideologue who is just going to stick with that and make no compromise? Or is he a deal maker who has you know, high self-preservation instincts, and then he may make uh, a compromise. So you're talking about policy shifts, point. though, Jeff. What about just rising rates, right? Is that enough to really hit a wall against everything that you just talked about, all the positives? We have rising rates. Does that fail, stop short of everything that's positive in this marketplace when we, once we start focusing on that again? Yeah, I th I, and I think that it, it largely depends on that. And it's going to have to do with how fast the Fed decides to move relative to what they perceive as the neutral rate. Like right now, I don't think we've moved into this new growth paradigm where we're all of a sudden growing at three or four percent. So I think the neutral rate probably still is somewhere around three. So that gives them some latitude to move, maybe a hike at the end of this year, maybe two next year. But if they just go on autopilot, continue to raise rates, that could be a major risk. So I think you have to keep that in mind for sure. Can we distill this conversation, Jeff? I mean, if your base case scenario is the markets are priced for gridlock and that there could be a Trump put because of the notion that he wants to ensure his reelection in 2020, does that mean you're constructive stock market? It does mean we're constructive okay. on the stock market. I mean, you think about this is obviously lower than we are now, but you yeah. think the line in the sand from technicians, 20, um, 2585 is what they've said. If you think about where earnings are likely to come in next year, 178 consensus, even dial that back for typical earnings revisions, you're going to have to see a pretty big drop in multiples in order for us to remain at these levels right now. So I think given where earnings are likely to come in, yeah, we are constructive going forward. Jeff, thanks. Jeff Mills of thanks so much. The notion of the Trump put is interesting. I think that we would all yeah. agree that, that a president wants to be reelected. And the thing about China trade, unlike USMCA, is that it doesn't need congressional approval, really. I mean, really, the deal is cut between the two leaders. Right. And in, he's more in control of that than with a NAFTA And embedded in that conversation is the fact that if the President Trump decides it's time to make a deal, the Chinese will say it's time to make. I'm not certain that's I guess my point all along has been 
President Trump might be ready to make a deal. It doesn't mean the Chinese are ready. That's a concern. When would he make that deal, though? Talking about the Trump put in a 2020 yeah. election, why make away. it right now? Right. Oh, so let it pro get prolonged and yeah, make it I mean, in 2019. The, nobody will remember by 2020 if he does it in the short term. Yeah, I. I but I, I'm constructive nonetheless. <laughs> I, I think uh, Jeff made some great points. I think that's absolutely what he'll do. And it's also surprising that he didn't do that going into midterms. Why not trump the economy? Why not trump job markets? Why not trump wages that are the best in a decade? But look, this this is shaping up for a nasty Q1 2000, like 2016 light. Um, if you think about where the Fed's going to possibly end the year, okay, we get the seasonal thing. Yeah, la, -di la di da. We're oversold. We could rally into that. But you're faced smack in the first quarter with some serious. I think Trump gets tougher on trade right after the midterm elections. I think the market sinks off those headlines and then rallies quickly by Thanksgiving or so into the oh, last. That quickly. Last, yeah, I mean, I got the crystal ball here, so we might as well yeah. use it. So into year end seasonality. Q1, though, do. I think is too tough. I think you want to sell stocks Q1. Still ahead, much more in the midterm elections, including which healthcare stocks could be impacted most by today's results. Plus, let's get a check on some of our uh, earnings movers. Etsy, Twilio, Zillow, Match, all on the move after hours. We'll tell you what the street is saying about these Web 2.0 stocks when fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Web 2.0 stocks, Match, Etsy, Zillow, and Twilio all on the move following the earnings reports. Frank Collins breaking down those moves for us back at headquarters. Hey, Frank. So let's start with Etsy. The stock rallying up more than 13% in after hours trading after earnings were released. The e-marketplace for crafts and handmade items reporting EPS of 15 cents and revenues in line with estimates from the street. A great year overall. The stock up over 97% this year. We spoke with several analysts about this performance and also the company's $200 million stock buyback. Tom Ford from DA Davidson saying... The fact that they are ramping their buyback suggests that they so value the stock that they believe it is underappreciated and undervalued, even with the recent strength. Egal Arunian of Wedbush Security saying Etsy continued to show the benefits of its product enhancements. Etsy continues to, to push to drive more repeat buying by improving the product experience and seems to be seeing good early signs of that. Again, Etsy up about 13 percent after the bell. Now to Zillow. Shares of the real estate database company plummeting after the bell. Zillow missing on revenue, also being hurt by some reshuffling of top executives. Now over to Match Group, solid beat on EPS and revenue, announcing growth with its Tinder app and a $2 special dividend. Still, shares taking a fall more than 5% in after-hours trading. And we're going to finish up with Twilio, up about 11% in after-hours trading. After the cloud communication company released its earnings, the company tripling estimates on EPS and a strong beat on revenues. Melissa, back All over right. to you. All right, Frank, thanks. Frank Holland with the breakdown. Now, before reporting earnings today, Web 2.0 stocks have surged this year. Twilio dominating that group, surging just over 200%. So do you keep betting on these Web 2.0 plays? Is it time to fade those names? Guy, I know you're a big Etsy, Etsy fan, yeah. oh, given your Guy Adami sock puppet, which is ordered on <laughs> Etsy. What do you use yes. that for? Pardon me? What? But no, the fact well, that they're I, buying I back their stock. on the weekends. Yeah. No, and the stock has gone from 49 to 40. Now it's, where's it trading? 45 now. The problem obviously is, can you wrap your head around the valuation of this company? Recently, people are saying, you know what? We can wrap our head around it. There is growth. 
I don't know. I'm not that comfortable. I think it's got to close above 50 to take the next leg higher. Number one, Zillow quick. Mm. This is a commentary out of Zillow. I'm not really sure what this means. They guide it down for the fourth quarter in a meaningful way, number one. Valuation is still ridiculous, number two. Zillow Group is undergoing a period of transformational innovation. That sounds great, <laughs> but I got to no, tell you something. No, it doesn't sound great. That ain't that good. You know what's great. interesting, yeah. though? We have this period of selling, growth, buying value, and Twilio and Etsy are the poster child for those growth names. So they were beaten up, but it seems like you got a discount on both of them and to report and to have them pop like this, I think it's probably a tailwind and it's gonna put at least people that are willing to short it or sell the stock kind of back up on their heels. So I think you probably could have further room to the, to the upside. Zillow's down. Well, the Zillow, I mean, it's been a really tough market for one. Uh, the other thing, though, remember we were talking about this earlier, the, when they cha when they announced they were buying an online mortgage lender, right? I, I mean, I hate, hate, hate when companies change their, right. you know, the style drift is, um, and then it's a really tough market. I don't know. I, I, even though it's a lot cheaper, I, I'd stay away. I, you know, some of these names are hyper market multiple names, hyper Momo names, and I think in this environment they're tough. Match is not really that. It's actually not expensive, despite the slowdown in Tinder guy. I actually think you're, <laughs> you're continuing to see, you know, 25 times multiple plus 30 percent growth. I think that stock probably holds in here. You know, Karen mentioned style drift. That shirt is more ring in a meaningful way. And when you wear your vest, I, I, so the that question, is the ultimate style drift. I wonder if Guy's lashing way. out because, in no, fact, I'm not, I, I, I'm not I, lashing. I'm stating facts. I outed him. Why don't we let the hand pop at the side? Why did my Tinder comment turn into a, 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 just a tirade on my shirt? Anyway, <laughs> coming up, healthcare, one of the best performing S&P sectors this year. But the rally could come to a screeching halt after the results of the midterm elections. We will explain. Plus, the retail rally heating up as earnings for the group get on. Underway. We'll tell you which stocks would see a bigger breakout. Much more fast money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Healthcare is one of the best performing sectors this year, but the fate of that rally could hang in the balance in tonight's poll results. Meg Terrell's at CNBC headquarters with more. Hi, Meg. Hey, Mel. Well, midterms aren't usually a major source of volatility for healthcare stocks, but the 2016 presidential election marked a turning point for the sector. And the outcome of today's elections could yield some big moves. A major focus on drug prices and divisiveness over the Affordable Care Act have only intensified in the last two years, with analysts now predicting some potentially large swings depending on the outcome of today's elections. Now, let's look at biotech and large pharma stocks through the IBB and XLV ETFs. Biotech's had a tough month, with the IBB down almost 7% while large pharma stocks have performed about in line with the broader market. Biotechs, because they're smaller and more volatile, tend to reflect market fears more than large pharma stocks. So what do analysts see happening in different election scenarios? Most expected, if Democrats take the House but not the Senate, we may see a minor rally in drug stocks because investors expect gridlock in that situation. Cowan Research does warn if Democrats gain either chamber, they are likely to hold many hearings about drug pricing. But if Democrats sweep both the House and the Senate, analysts say drug stocks could take a major hit. And fears about broader changes to the health care system leading into the 2020 election could pressure other parts of the space as well, like health insurers. And if history is our guide, expect a stronger reaction from biotechs, but potentially a big one from large pharmas too. The single day after the 2016 election, biotechs gained almost 9%, while pharmas gained 3.5%. Mel, back over to you. All right, Meg, thanks. Meg Terrell back at headquarters. Guy Donnie, yes. where do you go in this space? And what do you think? Because drug pricing has been a bipartisan issue. Bipartisan issue. But, you know, President Trump tweets about drug pricing back in a the lot. spring. Yeah. Pfizer drugs trading $36.5. Uh, 
six months later, Pfizer drug is trading $44. So the stock has gone up pretty much in a straight line. The biggest move we've seen in PFE probably in the last decade or so. So although the rhetoric is out there, the stocks are telling you something else. I'll say this, though. There are a couple that concern me. Eli Lilly being one. If you look, Eli Lilly down big today, 3.5%, 4%. line in the sand all through the fall, held there the entire time. Here we are again. I think it's critical it holds there. And I think Pfizer, although it hasn't gone up recently, hasn't really gone down much. I happen to think Pfizer is building a base for the next leg higher. Yeah, I, you know, you look at Merck, look at some of the other big pharma names, and they've all made the same move. And I think it's coincident with a, a rotational shift in the market. I agree with everybody here. I think this is an apolitical story. As, as much as that seems to be antithetical to what's been going on, I actually don't think it matters. I actually think if the market is struggling under higher multiples, these stocks will continue to outperform. And that's where we've been since June. Let's be clear. That's why they I think they've outperformed. For the big pharma, but for maybe not pharma. for biotech. Yes, or do you think uh, also sorry, for biotech? big pharma, that's my point on big pharma. I think either way, when people talk about ACA being overturned, I think either way it's a win for HMOs, it's a win for drug companies, because if you can become more efficient and you don't have to cover everybody, mm -hmm. then you're more efficient and it's a tailwind. If you have to cover everybody, you build your base. So it's a tailwind as well. So I think it's a win-win all around. I like the big pharma stocks as well. I thought it was interesting. Look at Mylan today. I mean, that was yeah. a very big on an, I mean, earnings. On an earnings beat. And so maybe that shows you how depressed they all are. If they, can, if they can put up decent earnings, I mean, they've, they've come down a long way. Well, the midterm madness will continue tonight on Mad Money. And in fact, take a look at the Kramer camp. There Jim is breaking down his midterm playbook. You can catch that at the top of the hour. And coming up on Fast, retail stocks have been on a tear the last few weeks. Traders are betting on big gains for some names in the group as a gear up for earnings. We will explain. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Retail stocks ripping higher as retail earnings are about to kick into high gear. The XRT retail ETF surging 7% since slumping to a five-month low back in October. In that same time, names like Macy's and Tiffany rallying double digits. So is now the time to buy or do you fade the move into earnings? Karen, what do you say? Well, I'm long some, so I guess now would be the time to buy. I mean, I'm long Macy's, I'm long, uh, I'm long Foot Locker. We'll see Macy's this week, I think Foot Locker not. But also Michael Coors, which was down, I think, a percent and a half today on the heels of Ralph Lauren, which even though the earnings were decent, I think people were disappointed. Uh, they were disappointed with a few things. I think um, revenue and same-store sales. I think Coors in many ways is a similar animal, but in other ways it's different, and it's a lot, lot cheaper than Ralph. So long that going into tomorrow morning, I hope it works out. Are we worried that the same pattern is going to happen during other parts of earnings season where the stocks are up? into earnings and then sell off? Well, let's face it, you know, we've seen that before. Um, I think that the guidance we're going to get from these retailers, with the exception of what we heard from Amazon, who's, you know, the, the, the big one, um, is going to be very, very positive. And, and again, I've gotten long Macy's again. Um, I've got a small position in L Brands. I actually think the target is going to crush it into the season. I, I go on, on record and say, I think, I think Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all this stuff is going to dwarf last year for this segment of the consumer. This isn't luxury we're talking about. Right. We're talking about middle class, and I think it's going to be on You know fire. what's a favorite of the Democrats if they take the House? What's a favorite Minimum of wage. You know what's a headwind for retail and the food stocks, restaurant stocks? Haven't they minimum raised, wage. haven't a lot of Trump, raised their minimum Trump, wages already? Trump, though, they have, but Amazon is forcing the rest of the retail space mm -hmm. to probably do a little bit more. Trump mm -hmm. is actually an advocate for raising the minimum wage. I would think that you start to see that maybe cracks. That's the reason through. why I think they're going higher. They're making sorry. more money. So, no, I, I think they're going to spend it. 
I think that if they, that's a labor cost for them. So I think that it, it's a restaurant. The labor on the other side of the money. consumer is making oh, money because we have a split screen. I think that this better be good. Let's go. All right. Look, bottom line, consumer has more money to spend. I think that outweighs demand is going to outweigh the supply cost and the margin. I think no matter how you do it, Steve Shirt. He wins on shirt. He wins on shirt. But I think my argument shirt. But I don't know if they can outweigh that headwind of cost. And I do think that even if it's a headline risk, you're going to see that in a lot of the restaurant stocks. But they haven't told us about that. I mean, stocks. we haven't really heard them say, actually, labor costs are killing our business. Yeah, I've heard, I haven't I've, had a Democratic House either. Uh, well, that's you not going to change Amazon. in the next three weeks. In other words, you're not going to hear that commentary from these people in three tonight. weeks. Because that was the question. We're talking about going into earnings. Could these guys disappoint based upon some reasons? Forward, forward we still need mechanism. a split screen here. Yeah, I'm still not, talking. Still and I feel out. like it's... Just Guy, kidding. weigh in. Well, now i got to split screen. Can I talk over the split screen? You can talk over the split screen. We could do a triple... It's interesting. And we could slide oh, that you would be in. great. A lot of these retailers sort of were, were floundering, sort of trading sideways until Amazon missed, had that big down draft. And I think the, head, the tailwinds for these stocks have been on Amazon, whether justified or not. I'm, I'm of the inclination that you fade a lot of these retailers, specifically in Nordstrom's, into earnings next week because in terms of valuation, some of them just gotten too expensive. All right. For more on one retailer set to report this week, let's bring in Mike Coe in San Francisco. Hi, Mike. Uh, there, yeah. So we were looking at Michael Kors today. So the implied move right now on earnings is about 10%. We saw well above average call volume. One of the trades that really stuck out to me was a purchase of a thousand of the weekly 59 strike calls. Those were trading for just under two bucks. So those are obviously bullish bets that we're going to see a positive move off of earnings. And to Karen's point, of all of the names we were just talking about, this one isn't particularly expensive. And also, considering the fact that it's had such considerable weakness since its highs earlier this year, if you were thinking that it might make a sharp move in one direction or the other, making a bet to the upside might make a lot of sense here. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. For more options action, you can check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. My Karen, favorite just show. On yep. Well, it's not your favorite show. Well, it's after this. You haven't been on in a long time. Do they not like you on the I show anymore? I think I, some, somebody's mad at me. They're weighing their options. I thought you were very good for someone that <laughs> doesn't know much about options. I thought Up you were next, good. final trade. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are just minutes away from the first polls closing, and we'll have you covered on what this all means for the market, starting extra early tomorrow with a supersized squawk box, which begins at 5 a.m. Eastern time, goes till 9, so whopping four hours. Kernan's going to get here for, at 5 a.m.? <laughs> well, we'll see. You have to tune in tomorrow at 5 and see what happens. I mean, he's surly for three. Can you imagine <laughs> what he's like? I hope he's watching. But he's not watching. He's yeah. prepping and then he's, he's sleeping. He's prepping and he sleeping. It's, it's a very, very big night here. And so with that, tonight's final trade is going to be very important as well. Final trade time around the horn. Midterms, final trade. Tim so, so look now, but the, the SMH has actually rallied almost 11% off the bottom. I think Intel is the way to play. Semi's recovering. But on the longer term, I think data center is kicking for these guys. I like Intel. Karen. Yeah, trying to handicap all the different scenarios. In a lot of them, infrastructure comes out as a winner. So United Rentals, I think, would play exactly into that. Sold off, it's bounced back a lot, but still, I think the valuation here is cheap. And happy anniversary to my husband. Best trade I ever oh, made. Oh. Very nice. How many? Did he crush it. Huge. 25. 25. Wow. I had no expectations. Yeah. Mazel tov. Yes. Electronic Arts, final trade. The sector has it's underperformed the whole entire sector. Take two, Activision Blizzard. I think there's a blue skies, so to speak, ahead for Electronic Arts. That's the trade, EA. 
guy. I find it amazing that Karen got married at 15 years old. Mm -hmm. you know, I can do that in my head, yeah. see what I did there. Very sweet I guy. think that the banks, maybe they've been waiting for this election. Maybe that's, they need to get through it for City to rally. All right, happy anniversary, Karen, Karen and Lawrence. And go vote if you haven't. We'll see you yeah. here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.